Welcome to episode 92 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto guys, welcome along to episode 92 of Iron Man Talk with just Bev and James Isles today. Iron Man Talk is proudly brought to you by Coffees of Hawaii for all your coffee needs at coffeesofhawaii.com. We've got Athlinks for all your social networking needs plus endurance athletic kind of needs as well and it's athlinks.com and lastly we've got trybys.com and uh, you may get this, uh, podcasts in before the international shipping finishes so you want to get onto the ASAP uh, because that was sort of the end of 2007. Anyway, this week's show. So it's our series in Best of the Year interviews, and it was a bit of a tough one, to be honest. The Mecca interview was clearly the number one interview that people wanted to hear again, and then there was a bit of a kind of a mismatch of who we should be the second person. Decided to go with Peter Reid in the end. We had a few votes for Peter, and I thought because it was earlier on in the year, it's probably more forgotten, and it's probably a good reason, whereas some of the other um, nominations were closer to the end of the year. So... That's the pure reason we've gone into that. Um, other than going into it with detail, I'm just going to get straight into the interview with Peter. So uh, here we go, Peter. Reed, we had Peter Reed last Wednesday. Um, pretty much just going to put it on and go into it. Just maybe just a quick bit. He's he's a legend. He's won ten Ironman races around the world, won uh, Hawaii three times. Really set the standard for the last you know maybe ten years of Ironman in the world, isn't he? And one of the things that we liked about the interview was, you know, when you, you see Peter Reed at races and so on, he, he's a really quiet guy and quite serious. So much pretty serious. But and, and this interview is just yeah, great, really, really open, yeah. and uh, and just goes for it. So uh, here's Peter Reed. Uh, so on the show today, we've got Peter Reed, three-time World Ironman champion, and won countless other races around the globe. So Legend. we're stoked to have him on board. <laughs> and uh, so what's uh, what's been happening in Canada today, Peter? Uh, just uh, ending our winter and uh, looking forward to getting on some nice dry roads and uh, getting back into some kind of uh, cycling shape this year. So um, I think a lot of people are probably uh, pretty interested to know what you're up to these days. I mean, you obviously sort of bowed out from Kona the, the year before last. And, um, yeah, what, what are you up to these days? Uh, I guess I'm doing many different little gigs. Uh, I'm coaching about uh, eight athletes. Um, I also have um, a training gig that I have in Europe working with the uh, Oakley Transitions uh, training team. So uh, I'm coaching a bunch of people over there. I'm, I'm heading over there on Thursday for to the Canary Islands for 10 days. And, uh, and I'm also, after that trip, I'm going to Arizona and coaching a couple of my, uh, my uh, new pro athletes. And, um, and I'm also, um, basically, I'm in uh, flying school. Oh, trying to cool. get my commercial pilot's license, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Hey, so you yeah, went to school. So, oh, sorry, yeah. So, you know, I've just been really busy doing a, many different things. I didn't want to do any one thing full-time. I, You know, as a, as a triathlete, I was very, very driven and focused, and triathlon, you know, was the number one thing in my life. And yeah. uh, I guess I just want to take a break from that. That makes sense. Hey, hey um, so you went to Cone last year, watched the race. We heard about you handing out drinks in there. Um, first of all, what was it like watching the race? And there is a rumor going around that you're making a comeback. Is is it true? Or uh, what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> oh, go go whatever. We ask um, questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you definitely come up with the easy ones at first. 
Um, yeah, okay. I, I did go to Kona last year. It was really, really important for me to be there, um, not as an athlete, but as, uh, as a volunteer. You know, I've been going to Hawaii pretty much every year since 1993, and, and I thought it would be odd to not go to the big island and just stay at home. So I was like, well, I don't want to just go to Hawaii and be, you know, um, a fading out star kind of thing. You know, I've seen a lot of pros and they're still, they're not racing anymore, but they still want to be, look at me, look at me. And that's not what I wanted to go to Hawaii. Um, I wanted to do something useful. And I thought about it. I'm like, well, the best way to go to a race and, you know, not just be a spectator or someone standing on the side grounds, but actually be involved in the race is to be a volunteer. So I decided, well, I'm going to be a volunteer. So, and I was like, well, where's the one place where no one could bug me? And I'm like, the energy lab. <laughs> they don't let media in the energy lab. They don't let spectators in the energy lab. And I will be a volunteer in the energy lab. So I, I, I went in there with two buddies and we worked, uh, pretty much a seven hour shift. Wow. And, uh, and, was- uh, basically the day before the race, I got asked if I would lead out the age group swim on a paddleboard. So I did that as well in the morning. So it was pretty So good. what was that experience like being on the other side? It was amazing. Um, not so much, you know, I didn't work the pros. I felt that that was not my place to be handing out drinks mm-hmm. to the pros. And, um, but uh, once the age groupers started coming in, I uh, started handing out, um, you know, one of the toughest crowd to work were the, uh, the age group men going around 10 hours to 10 and a half hours. Those guys, the look on their faces was more intense than any professional. Maybe, you know, Mac and Norman's face, but everybody else was kind of mellow going into the energy lab. The age group men going around 10 to 10 and a half hours, I got yelled at. Oh, really? Like, he seriously yelled at, like, no, I said coke, damn it, coke. And like, sorry, man, sorry. Did you pull it out? Did you know who I am? They didn't care who the hell you were. They had a mission. Wow. Uh, but one of the most rewarding were some of the people, you know, like the glow skit crowd, the people coming in at the later end of the day, and they're just lonely, and they really just want someone to chat with and talk to. And, you know, I saw a lot of people come into my aid station very scared and i would see them look up and they would recognize me and a smile would come out and just my presence helped and mm-hmm. it made me feel really really special and so it was a very very meaningful day for me and uh you know so many people were asking me after the race well did it feel feel weird not racing and i was like not at all my my goal this year was to be a volunteer yeah. and uh unfortunately while being there leading into your second question um I saw, you know, Norman go by, and I was like, God damn it, I can beat that guy. <laughs> and so the thoughts of, uh, of racing again started uh, popping up, and uh, I started thinking about it. But, and I was, training, I was training pretty good for a few months, and then I realized that uh, I just wasn't into it uh, as much as I needed to be to do well. Yep. You know? And uh, it just wasn't that inner drive or that you know get out of my way i've got to do my workouts um just wasn't there anymore and then it just kind of faded out and i think that's kind of normal as an athlete when you step away there's part of you that wants to come back and uh and those were the the feelings i i worked through this winter and now i'm totally comfortable um you know being a little chunky and a little bit slow yeah (laughs) We recently uh, reviewed and watched the the movie or the documentary What It Takes and definitely outlined you as a a pretty focused athlete when you were training. 
do you think that gave people a fairly um, accurate picture of, of what Peter Reed was like when you were you were a full time athlete? Yes and no. Um, I was actually quite disappointed in the movie because you know, the whole reason I did the movie was for people to see how hard I trained. You know, yeah. like how hard I trained. I, I never thought of myself as talented. Um, there were many guys that, were, that had so much more talent than me, but I figured that I had one of the better work ethics, and I worked extremely hard. And it didn't show any of my workouts in the movie. They have all that footage, and they didn't use it. Mm. Um, and the same thing with Luke and Heather and Lori. Well, not so much Lori, because she was pregnant. But it, I don't think it came across in the movie, and that's why we all agreed to do it, was to show people how hard we work. And instead, they they made this whole little twist about, you know, with me breaking up with Lori and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, no, that's not what I wanted to talk about it. But I should have known by the constant questions they were asking me throughout the year. Oh, really? Yeah. So well, there's not the you know had I wish it was like 2003 or 1998. You know those years where everything came together rather than you know the year where you know I didn't do that well in Hawaii. My training for Hawaii was atrocious. So. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting because they didn't show a lot of your, your stuff. Yeah, there. And, and I was a little disappointed. I thought it was a, it was a good insight, but I thought it could have been a lot better. So, well, going to say oh, that, yeah. we definitely felt you were the star of the film. We felt that you were the only person who was like really honest about the whole thing, and uh, a lot of people were just kind of not. No, the others weren't holding back, but you just definitely opened up, and we kind of respected that. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah. one of the things we were really keen to ask you um, about was sort of the training that you did do. Um, you know, when, when you were sort of setting your season up each year, um, was it pretty much fo- uh, solely focused on Kona? And, and how did you sort of structure things in terms of your other races? Did they mean that much to you, or was it all every year focused on Kona, and that's how you did your build up? Well, and I guess as I got older, um, I realized that I really only had one race in me, and uh, I was willing to sacrifice a lot of performances you know at races and and get beat to save my strength and my energy to to nail hawaii and um so you know i would do a lot of training but i would save the crazy hard weeks or the big epic training days just to get ready for hawaii and so i felt like there was a lot of races where i was going in at you know 80 percent compared to hawaii where you know, I was at 100%. You know, I leaned down as much as I could. I did all these epic workouts, and I, I felt I could only do that once a year. And that was pretty much happening the last few years of my career. Um, at the beginning, at the beginning, I would do, you know, I'd do my whole build-up three times a year for the three Ironmans I would do and, and nail all three. Did that take discipline to actually, you know, go, you, you focus on a race, going to compete, you're an athlete still, and you're obviously a very competitive athlete. Did it take discipline to not be at your top all year? Oh yeah, that was really hard. It was really hard, you know, going to races like Ironman Germany and and placing sixth. Yeah, you know, and, and these are guys, you know, I know I can beat. I know I can beat, but and um, I really struggled. You know, I remember one year I went over there and with Lori and uh, you know, I think I placed fourth and we got back to my hotel room and I just freaked out. I was like, you know, just swearing and throwing stuff on the yeah. ground and Angry she's man. like grow up <laughs> you know it's just a race and Lori had a very relaxed attitude about it I'm like no damn it you know and no it was very very hard very hard yeah so you, you talk there a bit about your your epic training days and, and things like that I mean 
What was your, is your training very much focused on on doing huge amounts of volume, and, and how much importance do you place on on doing high intensity workouts? Um, well, I guess towards the end, it was uh, you know it, it revolved around a lot of a lot of miles, and in those miles there would be uh, an intensity section, and uh, you know one of my favorites was like the six and a half hour ride I would do. And the last hour of that ride, where I would be doing intervals at a threshold, you know. So, you know, I was combining the both. But like I said before, I could only do that once a year. You know, any other time of year, I'd either be doing volume or I'd be doing intervals, not both. And uh, as you know, for Hawaii, I was able to do both because I had created this huge base of train, this huge aerobic miles in me, that I had a platform where I could do threshold work on top of that base. Did, did you train with other people? Um, not so much in the end, but uh, I did train uh, off off and on with uh, you know the only triathlete I really trained on and off with was Tim DeBoom. Yeah. Um, but then I did do a lot of training with cyclists. Um, you know, my background is cycling, and I enjoyed training with cyclists. I, um, you know, there's a, a great cyclist where I lived in Victoria, a guy named Roland Green, who was three-time uh, mountain bike world champion, and we did a lot of riding together. And um, but majority of the time, I, I trained alone. Were you much of a, a training kind of tool guy? Like, did you love your heart rate monitor and your power meters? And if so, how did you use them? Oh yeah, no, I I was a big uh, SRM fan. Um, all my all my running and all my cycling were based on on heart rate and power. Uh, performances and what I would do is I'd get tested every five to six weeks in a training wow. lab and find out uh, what my heart rate zones were and uh, and uh, the majority of, the, of my training was at between 75 and 80 for 85 percent of my max heart rate wow. and I would just do lots and lots and lots of long miles or long intervals in that training zone and then you know Probably about five to six weeks out from Hawaii, I would start working on some threshold work. But the majority of the training was was eighty five percent and below to get ready for Ironman. And when you were actually racing, did you race to power and heart rate as well, or were you more dictated? No, that was the one thing I refused to race with, uh, with any um, heart rate or watts or anything like that. So I, why? Uh, the only time, uh, why? Yeah. Um, well, because with all that training, I, I worked on a perceived effort scale in my head. Uh, I knew what certain zones felt like. And I tried racing once with uh, with a heart rate monitor. And because of nerves and adrenaline and endorphins, the numbers I was mm. seeing weren't the same as what I was doing in training. But I knew on perceived effort, like I knew like how, how much energy I was using. I'd be like an 8 on 10. And I knew 8 on 10 was like close to about 150 beats per minute. But if I was racing, it would be 155 beats per minute. And it would be like, that's not 8 on 10. That's like an 8.5 on 10. What's going on? Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a great story of, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Really, really good cyclist that did Hawaii. Um, um, Lance, I mean, um, the yeah, telecom guy. No, no, no. He was a, he was an American guy. He was a mountain biker. He actually rode with Lance for a little bit. Uh, Steve Larson. Yeah, Larson. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there was one year Larson. He was catching us. He was catching the lead group of guys. You know, he's gaining. Made. He's really gaining on us. He's he's basically reeling us in. But his watts were about fifteen watts off of what he normally saw. 
Yeah. He was reeling us in and pulled out of the race because he was like, I'm just not on today. I'm just not on. <laughs> he was catching us, but he psyched himself out wow. by his power meter. And that happens. <laughs> it's something to be a little bit wary of. You know, um, people who don't have much experience, it's a good thing to race with their heart rate monitor. Yeah. It's a good thing to race with power meter. Someone who has a lot of experience and knows their body, I think it's better to just go off perceived feel. You know what you should be doing. Hey, so we know a lot of the pros use coaches in a way where you make you kind of do your own thing, but you chuck your program to your coach to check it out. You, it's well known that you use Mark Allen. Did you use him much, and in, in how and why? Um, we'll run that one by me again. Well, like, did you use a coach much in the way you oh, designed well, the program, and, and why yeah. did you or why didn't you? Well, at the beginning of my career, um, I didn't have a coach. Um, and I went to Hawaii and DNF, and I went to 1994 again and DNF'd. And uh, part of me knew that um, I could do it, but it just wasn't happening. And uh, I figured that it was, uh, I was just kind of going off of what other pros were telling me or whatever I was reading in the, you know, the triathlon magazines. And uh, it was kind of like chaotic training. It seemed like I was racing every day and never really paying attention to what I was doing. And uh, finally I figured I needed to track down a coach and I ended up hooking up with an, uh, a Canadian coach um, who was, who knew what the top guys were doing. He was friends with Mark Allen and Paul and Yubi Fraser and, you know, that whole San Diego crowd. And his name was Rock Fry, Heather Fear's husband. And Rock and I had a basically a, uh, a coaching relationship for about ten years. You know, I, I my biggest successes were through his training program, and I stuck to it. I was militant with my training program. Uh -huh. If I was going up a, a hill and I was above my heart rate zone, I'd start walking. Like that's how anal I was with this training zone. Obviously, weird. Um, and then, and then I then I started getting bored. It was just the same thing year in and year out. And I started tinkering, and uh, I worked a little bit with Chris Carmichael, and it was a disaster. <laughs> and, uh, well, he just, you know, it, it didn't work for me. I just, yeah. you know, that was the year I, uh, I didn't finish in Hawaii in 2001. I was working with Carmichael. And, uh, and so kind of, you know, Rock and I had a bit of a falling out because, you know, I left him, and uh, he wasn't cool. So I went back to the original programs that I'd had. I knew how to implement the program. And that's when I started um, chatting quite a bit with Mark Allen. And it would basically be a conversation. Every two to three weeks, I'd just email him or call him and, hey, Mark, I'm doing this. This is what I'm planning. What do you think? And he, it would just tweak the program a little bit. And it was just a sounding board. Yep. And uh, Mark's got a really, really good concept on how to do well in Hawaii. And uh, it was just, I just felt like it was the... Uh, I had an advantage over everybody else because I had Mark Allen rooting for me on race day. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. The, uh, now you're sort of looking back on things. Are there, there many common mistakes? Perhaps not you see you see from pros so much, but more from age group athletes that you see sort of occurring on a regular basis, not just Hawaii, but but any sort of Ironman. Um. Yeah, the two biggest, uh, you know, I'm working with you know quite a bit of age group athletes, and the two biggest mistakes I see is uh, the new year starts and people start training way too hard. They're mm. not focusing on the big plan. You know, if I have guys at getting ready for Hawaii, um, January is not time to be training at full tilt. Yeah. You know, you're not going to last. You're yeah. just not going to last. And there's a lot of age groupers where I see 
where September comes around and they're exhausted. They've got nothing in the tank. And that's when you should be feeling that I'm, I can go. I'm, I've been waiting all year to do this training. I can finally do it rather than, oh, I don't want to do this ride. I don't want to do this run. Yeah. You can't get ready for Hawaii with that kind of mindset or mm. physical ability in you. And the second biggest mistake I see is race week. You know, yeah. the majority of age groupers work full time. They take a week off. They go to these races and they've got all the time in the world to train all week long before the race. And all they see all week long is their buddies or fellow age group athletes pinning it all week long, full tilt. And they're like, I got to go full tilt too because my buddy here is going full tilt. And everybody's racing each other all week long. They show up on race day tired. You know, you you follow that. That's one of the things I wanted what it takes to show. Show what a pro athlete is doing race week. You know what he's doing? He's training maybe 20 to 40 minutes a day. Yeah. And the rest of the time he's sitting on the couch, bored out of his mind, reading a magazine or watching TV. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest difference. Yeah. Well, as an athlete, you've obviously done lots and lots of races. What were your favorite races or race? Um, well, my favorite, my favorite race is obviously Ironman Canada because, you know, all my friends could come watch. Um, I love the course. It's one big loop on the bike, one big loop on the swim and uh, mountain back on the run. Uh, many races right now are, are many loops. And I think that's boring as an athlete. Some athletes love it. I, I always felt it was boring. Um, I thought the prettiest race was Ironman Austria. And, uh, and the one race I, I'm still killing myself for never doing was uh, was New Zealand. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the one Ironman I always wanted to do, but being a Canadian, it was it was just too hard uh, for me to get ready for. And I'm sure we can get you for your entry. Yeah, no, that was the one I really, really wanted to do. I've never been to New Zealand, and I have many friends that have said, "Oh, you would love it. Yeah, love yeah. it." It's cool. So back back to Kona. When you when you're racing in Kona. Um, and you're out there doing your thing, are you, are you really sticking to your plan or are you uh, looking at what others are doing and sort of trying to, to work off them or are you just you stick to your plan and that's it? Uh, I think it needs to be a balance. You need to be, watch uh, what other guys are doing, but you also need to watch um, almost like you're redlining in a car. You know, if you're redlining it too much, then you're like, well, there's not much I can do about this situation. But there's times where like, okay, I'm, I'm operating amazingly at 60-70%. Um, somebody's just gone off the front, he's making an attack, I can go with him. But there's other situations where someone will make an attack and you and you feel your perceived effort. You're like, I'm redlining it. I, I, I can't go. I got to let this guy go. Mm-hmm. And Or you need to make situations where, no, you know what, this guy, like, you know, the first year of the Norman one, literally that was a big mistake on my part and a lot of other people's part. It was like, I catch every year Norman Stadler at seven miles on the run. I will catch him again, and no one called. Yeah. You know, so it was, that was a bad mistake by a lot of us. But, you know, and then he went and did the same thing last year. You yeah. know, so. <laughs> do, you, um, do, like, do you take many risks? In a race, or is it, you know, that red line, do you actually think, well, I've got to actually take a risk here and there's a chance I'll blow up? No, yeah, no, I've definitely, I've definitely taken chances. And uh, I 
I strongly feel them that Chris lost the race last year because he was a little bit too conservative on the bike. He definitely he went for it on the run. I you know watching him run was was awesome last year. He just really? he literally gave it his all and he's like I'm either going to get it or I'm not. Um, and I just felt he held back a little bit on the on the bike and sometimes that's the risk you take. You know you're like well I'm going to hold back a little bit and. Uh, and save it all for the run or other years you're like i'm gonna give it all on the bike and uh like in my last time in hawaii uh, i was riding with this little group and uh we were in no man's land and guys like ferris and a bunch of other euros were getting too much time and i took a big risk and decided you know what i'm gonna go at it by myself and try to reel them in by myself and you know i ended up riding 30 miles by myself and and caught or got really close to the lead guys and I got off the run, and I mean, I got off the bike, and I had nothing on the run, and I ended up running one of my slowest Ironman times in a long time. But at least when I crossed the finish line, I, you know, I said, "Well, gave it, a gave it everything I had." Mm-hmm. So. Do you think? Um, do you think anybody's going to break eight hours in Kona, or what do you, what do you think it's going to take? I think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I didn't grow up a triathlete. Um, there's a lot of guys racing right now that didn't grow up as triathletes, but there's this huge wave of athletes that are growing up as triathletes. You know, these are guys that they're balanced. They can swim, bike, and run. They've grown up with swim, biking, and running. We're seeing these guys, these young guys in ITU right now where they're, they have no weaknesses. And eventually there's going to be a kid coming through that uh, is going to hit Ironman and uh, it's going to be no weakness, you know, and he'll have this uh, huge drive and desire to win Hawaii and that's the person who's going to win Hawaii, you know, who's going to break eight hours. Do you actually see anyone coming through yourself? Is there anyone, you know, maybe think of? Um, well, the one kid I, I think who who is who's just a phenom for long distance, he's still a little young, um, and I'm a bit worried that he might burn out before he actually does anything in Hawaii, and that's Terenzo. Yeah, yeah. You know, Terenzo, he's a, you know, he trained in my hometown a few years ago, and he's a smart kid. He's got really good people around him. He's got no weakness. You know, the kid is strong on the bike. He can run and he can swim. Um, but I do worry about he's trying to do too much too soon, you know, mm. I, it's it's it takes it takes a few years to build that endurance in you you know the endurance where you can race eight hours mm-hmm. um he might not have to race our eight hours he'll go 759 <laughs> in Kona. but uh that's that's the one kid where i see that he is someone it's either going to be him or someone just like him that'll break eight hours in hawaii and um, obviously, you know, there's always a drafting issue at Hawaii. I mean, what are your sort of views? And, and it's sort of gone from 10 metres to 7 metres, and now it's really uh, only 5.5, yeah. and, and WTC don't really seem too concerned about it. Yeah, no, I wish it was 10 metres, like the way it used to be. Um, and they need to reduce the numbers. There's too many people out on the course. Yeah. You know, there's just too many people. Yeah. That race should be capped at 1,400 people max. Now, you know, when I would ride down from Javi, it would be a steady pa- a steady stream of, it would be a big, long pace line. Yeah. Mm. You know, and you're just, there's too many people on the roads. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how they're going to solve that issue, but, um, and, and now the athletes are a lot, um, there's a lot more athletes 
that are the same. You know, I remember my first years of doing well in Hawaii. I'd do the whole ride by myself and not see anybody. Yeah. You know, there'd be sections you're like 30, 40 miles and no one's around. Uh, now it's extremely rare. There's always someone around you. Did, um, like, obviously the Olympics is the goal for a lot of athletes in most sports. Um, would you like to see them there and, and would it be a bummer that you didn't get to do them? I understand. Uh, yes. I, I, I made a decision early on in my career that, uh, you know, I was an I2 athlete racing the World Cups and uh, I knew that I didn't have, that there's a few guys that have the talent that can go back and forth. I knew I, I could only focus on one and uh, I made a decision to do Ironman instead of the Olympics and, uh, you know, uh, my best buddy won the Olympics. So, you know, Simon Whitfield, we mm. for many years we lived within five or six houses from each other. He lived, uh-huh. We lived on the same street, you know, so <laughs> I got to live the Olympics through him. Wow, that would have been cool. Um, and we had a couple of questions from a few of our listeners. Um, one of the questions was, how did how did you sort of stay motivated to train week in, week out? Um, whereas the sort of point was age group athletes sort of just maybe do one race a year. Was there any special thing that, that kept you motivated all year round? Um, I guess... For me, it was all about the training plan, and it would be mapped out for the year. You know, January would be work on this. You know, in February, it would be work on something else, and then March. And so you know it was all part of a plan. You need to check off A and then check off B so it could all come together. For, for me, it was the Hawaii Ironman. And so it was all part of a process, and every workout had a purpose. You know, you knew why you were doing everything, and that's why, why working with the coach helps because you understand that, uh, well, if I, if I want to win, I need to do, you know, January needs to be along a lot of base miles, and every single one of those workouts is part of the base mile. So you kind of see the flow of the workouts, and it's, it's part of a puzzle. You need to put all the pieces together to achieve the final. And for me, that's, that's what helped. You know, that's what got me out the door, because I knew every, every one of those workouts was, part of the, was one of the pieces to get to my final goal. We've got a question from a guy called Matthew, and he's asking, um, in a race when you know, you're know you low and you're hurting and it's you know, <laughs> you're not in your good place, how did you kind of mentally get out of those places during races? Because I'm sure you experienced that a few times. Oh, yeah. You know, one of my biggest tricks for the marathon is I count my footsteps. Oh, really? And I would count to 20. And, uh, and then I'd do it over again and then over again. And, you know, I don't know how many people have said, what are you thinking about the last three miles of an Ironman? <laughs> I'm like, one, two, three, four... <laughs> And I would count my, and it would disassociate, and it would, you know, part of moving forward is is finding a rhythm. And I felt if I could count my footsteps to twenty, I would start a rhythm. You know, I'd be like, oh, there goes a rhythm. And then all of a sudden, I wasn't thinking so much about, oh, my legs hurt, my stomach hurts. All I was thinking about is is my is my foot stride. Uh-huh. And it just seemed to disassociate from the situation and and get things going again. Cool. Oh, well, any any other sort of news happening your way that you want to share? Or you're, How's your coaching going? Uh, you're loving coaching? Oh, I'm loving side? it. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally loving it. And, um, I've, you know, basically, uh, I was having some beers with Kona last year, and, uh, you know, I helped Desiree Ficker a little bit. I wasn't so much coaching her, but it was kind of a relationship I had had with Mark Allen. Yeah. Just, you know, just mentoring kind of thing. And so a buddy of mine are in Kona, and we're trying, and I'm like, you know, I, I think I want to start coaching some people. And, my buddy, who's you know, who's uh, who's been kind of somewhat coaching as well, and he's like, yeah, that'd be an excellent idea. He's like, we should get, you know, four of us that all know each other, and let's get a little coaching business off the ground. And 
Next thing you know, we're totally overwhelmed. We weren't expecting the response <laughs> yeah. we got. And I'm like, eh, I only want eight apps. And he's like, I only want four. <laughs> so we kind of, we maxed out already. <laughs> like, we're already. I don't want any more. And he's like, neither do I. And so we're four of us, and all four of us are like, that's it, shut this thing down. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not like, uh, you know, the big conglomerate of coaching or anything like that. It's 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 for all of us kind of like a hobby, and we both get a kick out of it. You know, yeah. all four of us get a kick out of it. But it's not a, you know, a coaching business per yeah, se. Yeah, yeah. You're so, not going to be able to good <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, for me, it's, it's, it's sharing my... Uh, it's a way to share my experiences with, you know, these, I mean, a lot of age groupers who are, you know, a lot of them are just, just have no clue or where to begin. And it's, it's a simple little plan. And they're like, wow, this really works. You know, taking the day off once a week. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, it does. You got to recover. Yeah. You know, it's, it's fun. Just one last question. Being a, um, you know, one of the legends of the game winning Kona three times. Um, do you, what kind of responsibility do you feel to the sport from here forward? Uh, that's a good question. Good question, uh, Bill. Yeah, I work, I work on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually did get a mean email. I guess, uh, I guess about a couple of months ago, and they're like, "Ah, oh, you know, you're charging athletes for money. You should be giving back. You should be coaching, you know, beginner or like junior athletes for free." And you know, and and it, I guess it hurt so much, or I felt it was mean because he had hit a point. You know, it's. Yeah, you know, no one wanted to help me out when I was struggling. And uh, and so, yeah, it's something I'm, I struggle with a little bit. How do I how do I give back? Because this sport has been really good to me. But, you know, I'm going back to Hawaii and I'm volunteering again. And oh, you're doing this? I, for me, that's, you know, that's I, I feel good and I feel that my presence can actually help people. So, yeah. you know. Oh, I think you would have. Uh, I, I really think you would have made a lot of people's day handing that drink out. So I think that's fantastic. And <laughs> and, um, and no, I really do. And uh, and just sharing your knowledge in places like this, I think you know, yeah, yeah. our listeners love yeah. that sort of stuff. So um, that's fantastic. So, yeah, definitely yeah. an inspiration. Thank you very much for coming along on the show and giving up a little bit of your oh, time. Oh, you guys were fun. Thanks <laughs> a lot, guys. And we uh, hope to maybe get you on the show another t another day. In and, the future. Um, yep. Yeah, just have sure. a... Good luck with the flying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Go, go, go. How long is it before you get your license? Uh, well, I, I was supposed to have my flight test last weekend, and I got uh, rained out. So, oh, no. so uh, I have to go to uh, Europe for a couple of weeks, and when I come back, I'll try again. And, uh, you know, I'm in no rush. For me, it's uh, it was something that I wanted to do the whole time I was a traffic, but I was, yeah. I was so anal with my training and my lifestyle that I wouldn't let myself do it. So yeah. I'm doing it now. Wow. Very good. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for that, Pete, and we'll catch up soon in the future. After the interview with Peter Reed, we had a few chance just to have a bit of a yarn to him. So hopefully, he's, he, uh, we weren't actually going to include this part, but Bevan's uh, overruled and he said he's going to include it. That's right. A bit embarrassing. And uh, John mentioned the race where you beat Peter. Yeah. And uh, It was a highlight. Obviously, Peter was still losing sleep over this, and you know, he, just, he was sounding like distraught. We had to stop him from crying. Um, so anyway, here it is. You, you probably don't remember. I actually uh, met you, met you in, uh, in in Phuket back in '99. He, he beat you in a race, and it's his, he always talks about it. <laughs> it was back in Phuket '99. No, um, you'd, you'd like won Hawaii, and you'd do a race a week later, and John beat you. And he, it's his pride of his did, life. Did uh, Welchie take it that year? No, it was um, Mark Lee's won it, and we were, we came oh. off the bike together. 
and uh, oh, and yeah. I took off on a run. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally remember you now. I'm sure you, I'm sure you have nightmares about yeah. it, you know? I'm sure you're still losing sleep over that race. <laughs> Going to Phuket, you could comfort yourself pretty quick after that exactly. race. <laughs> um, I was loving it. it was yeah, yeah, so but you look, made John's life from yeah, that day, mate. <laughs> Well, to be honest, great interview there with Peter and nice little funny story at the end. I didn't actually realise when I put this interview on the podcast for this week's show that it was going to be so short. So this week's show is going to be a little bit shorter than normal. And I know that a few of you are probably out there running or riding your bike and thinking, oh no, I've got so much further to go. So sorry about that. But next week we'll be back to normal with a normal length where we normally aim to go for about an hour to an hour and ten. Before we go, I just want to quickly thank the sponsors of the show. First of all, we have Coffees of Hawaii. And for those of you who who are in their winter time right now, what better than getting some Coffees of Hawaii to warm up the inside of your body? Go to Coffees of Hawaii and get look on their um, product page and get some coffee. They ship internationally all around the world and nothing beats a nice warm coffee when you've come in from a big training ride to warm up the insides when you've been cold all day long. Next up we have Athlinks.com. Again, your best way to connect with all your athletic friends um, and the key to this is really about social networking it's really about getting your mates on there and using it as a good way to give your mates a bit of shit have a good bit of fun on there also a really good way to keep track of all your results uh, the great thing about athletes is that they go on there and they find all these different race results from all around the world and then you're able to actually put that into your profile and you can see what you've been doing over the last few years so that's athletes.com and lastly we have good old try boys the boys at try boys have been getting lots of emails lately from you guys just saying how great the service has been someone was saying how they for christmas they they bought something i can't even remember exactly what it was it was like a five dollar present and the boys from try boys sent through a t-shirt and uh just really delivered on the service and again we just get that over and over again i cannot recommend try boys enough actually after the show i'm jumping on try boys to buy some new i'm getting some new cycle pants for epic camp because and so the lads can suffer on epic, epic camp so i'm gonna be doing that and i may even buy some new cycling shoes so it's very exciting times for me too so those are coffeesofhawaii.com athlinks.com and flybys.com not flybys trybys.com so what am i up to for the rest of the week well it's, i'm actually recording this before new year's so um, I'm, I'm jumping in the car tomorrow morning and I'm about to go up to Nelson which is in the top part of the North, uh, South Island in New Zealand and me and about three people are jumping in the tent, we're going to be camping it, roughing it and we're going to a concert on New Year's Eve, it's going to be a pretty big night, really looking forward to that. I'm taking my bike up with me because the epic training has began, I rode about 130k's by myself this morning which was actually wasn't too bad, it was, it was a good little challenge. And I've got to get a couple big long rides in. John and I are actually going to jump on our bikes and ride to Wanaka to watch the Wanaka race. So we're thinking we'll either do one day of 260 and one of 180 or even just do one day by itself. I don't actually know what the boy's up to. I haven't heard to him from him since Christmas. But he went up to the top of the South Island as well for Christmas and New Year's. So you know, being a family man, I doubt that he'll be having a huge night on New Year's Eve. But you never know. Maybe he pulls on out. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great New Year's and look forward to 2008, spending the year with you guys and getting out there and seeing how your races go and all the big events you are all training for. It's been a huge year, 2007. We've done some pretty big things together and we really look forward to the future. Just want to say thank you so much for your time. We want to say thanks to all the guests we've had on this year, on the show this year. To be honest, um, if we look back at the Peter Reid interview, I remember at the time emailing Peter and just thinking oh, I think I'm kind of taking you're wasting my time here because you know, someone like Peter Reid 
wouldn't really want to come on our show. And, and when he replied and said, oh, yeah, I'd love to come on your show, for me, there was a real moment in the show's kind of growth. And uh, we've seemed to be able to get some big names on the show this year and we really look forward to next year bringing the big names on the show. I want to say thank you to everybody who contributed to the show this year. Lots of people helped us with the high fives, the age grouper of the weeks, websites of the week. Um, just, you know, you guys really make the show worthwhile doing for us. And lastly, thank you to all our sponsors and just everyone who sent an email and have a great new year. Party hard, but remember, we are athletes, so no party too hard. Anyway, that's this week's show. So, uh, what is it? It's train hard, train smart. No, it's not. What is it? I can't even remember. I am Russ. I am Indone. Trade hard. Trade smart. Kia kaha. John will give me shit about that, won't he? Right here we go.